Yeah, it is. It's the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Welcome. We are at day 61 until the election. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's that close. Just a reminder, I am Rose Soma Tennant and so happy to be here today. Thank you. I think we'll enjoy our time together on the show. I've got some great guests. We have Speaker Newt Gingrich joining us. Donald Trump Jr. will be with us, too, to talk about his newest book. And as we're on the topic of books, I do want to mention that Hannity's book is still on the New York Times bestseller list, and it is Live Free or Die. If you haven't bought a copy yet, you definitely need to do that soon. So this is the Sean Hannity Show. I will take your phone calls. I'll look forward to it. 800-941-SEAN, one 800 941 Sean. I want to say thanks to Ethan, Katie, Linda, and also here in Pittsburgh, that's where I'm broadcasting from right now, Greg, my buddy Greg, that we've worked together. Oh gosh, we've worked together for so many years in the past. And since he's listening, hey dad, Hank Soma, best dad in the world. So anyway, you know, something that I really want to talk about right now is something that I've actually talked about on this show before to certain degrees. And I've been talking about as I speak to different groups of people all across the country right now, leading up to the election. And that is what happened 244 years ago this July. Let's let's just stop and think about it because what happened then is so essential to remember if we are to have a future in this country, if we are to continue to have liberty in this country. What happened 244 years ago this past July was magnificent. It was bold. It was radical. Men were meeting and they were discussing declaring independence from tyrannical rule. Yeah. Because you know what? They were tired of being told how to live, how to conduct business, whether or not they could conduct business, and how to worship. Does that sound familiar to anyone right now, particularly those who live in the blue states? I live in Pennsylvania, and I can tell you, I feel as though I am living under tyrannical rule. And I know many of you feel the same way. So these guys come together, and they know what it's like to live under that type of rule. And they want to declare independence from that. They want to declare freedom, not just for themselves, but for this new country that's being established, for people who come after them. So they're meeting in the room. And you know, it's interesting because history accounts will tell you that everybody in the room at the time agreed that this is something that absolutely needed to be done. Here's the thing though, there was some hesitancy and really who could blame them, right? I mean, what they were doing was some scary stuff. This freedom was scary stuff, especially at that time. They knew that they were putting a target on their back. They knew that they were risking a lot the moment they put their signature to this declaration of independence. I mean, remember John Hancock? He said, I wrote it really large, that signature, so the the king could read it without glasses. They knew they were putting themselves at risk. They understood. They, They even pledged to one another their lives, their sacred honor. They understood what was at risk. So can you blame them if they were a little hesitant? Finally, John Witherspoon says, enough of this. I need to speak. And he did. And it was powerful. One of the things he said 
is that there is a tide in the affairs of men. Do you perceive it now before you? To hesitate is to commit to your own slavery. When he was done with his speech, everyone in the room decided, okay, you've convinced us. Now is the time. Now is the time to take that leap. Now is the time to put our money where our mouth is, to put our signature where our heart is. And they signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, a long time ago, we won't go into details in terms of just how long ago it was, but I wrote an honors paper, and I did a lot of studying on the Revolutionary War period and those things that led to the Revolutionary War. One of the things that stuck out to me was some of the history books at the time, and God knows they probably don't teach this in the classrooms, but I remember reading because it really touched me that after those men, those brave, those courageous, those very wise men signed that declaration, these history books told me that they fell to their knees, many of them, in prayer, while others wept openly. Can you imagine that scene? How powerful that moment was that it called some of those men to their knees, that others wept. I believe they fell to their knees because they recognized that our freedoms, our liberty comes from God and God alone. They do not come from man because then man could take them away from us, which we are seeing attempts at right now, aren't we? They understood that liberty came from God. And I think some of them wept because not only did they understand the magnitude of what they had just done, not only did they understand that there would be ramifications for what they had just done, but I think they wept too because they truly understood what it was like to live under tyrannical rule and that now, now there was a pathway before them to liberty. Oh, I can just imagine what that was like. What they did, those men in that room, they did for generations of people they would never know. They did it for you and I and everyone in this listening audience. And they were willing to do it for people they would never know. They knew that what they had done would have a long-term effect on the lives of so, so many people. If you fast forward 11 years later, in what we now call Independence Hall in Philadelphia, some of those same men who are now delegates were meeting. And they were meeting to draft one of the most important documents in, I would suggest, the history of the world, really. This was an amazing document that they were deliberating over in Philadelphia. And they met for months. And can you just picture it, though? Think about this for a minute. I, I love to think about this. They were in the town center, right? They're in Independence Hall, what we know as Independence Hall anyway right now. And, you know, I mean, everyone had to go there for the, their needs, whether it was, you know, to the, to the general store or to get produce or if it was to get something for the farm or equipment or something for their cattle or their horses. I mean, the post office, everything was right there. So, you know, there were people just like walking back and forth I would imagine, in front of Independence Hall. And they're wondering, when the heck is this going to be done? What is going on behind those closed doors? I need to know. I need to know. I mean, our future is at stake here right now. 
And we know the story about on that final day of deliberation when Dr. Benjamin Franklin walked out that door and people, it was a woman that stopped him. Okay, Of course it was a woman. She needed to know. And I would suggest that she needed to know because it is women who think about these kind of things, the security, the future for their children. They want to know that they, they brought children into this world and that these children would live free and that they would pursue dreams and happiness and safety. She needed to know. Of course, it was a woman. She stops Dr. Franklin and she says, well, doctor, what have we got? A monarchy or a republic? And he said, as you know, a republic, if you can keep it. And ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we do still have a republic. It seems to be hanging on by a thread, but we still have that republic. Right now, the battle that we are facing, and we are facing a battle, and this is a different battle than any that's been fought on this land ever. This is a different battle, people. You know, the Revolutionary War was for freedom, to establish that freedom, to mark that freedom for this country. We're in a battle right now to preserve that freedom, to preserve that Constitution that so many risked so much for so that you and I and everyone that came before us and everyone that comes after us can live in a free country can pursue your dreams. This battle is so essential right now. And, and we've got to win this because it is a battle for the Republic. It is a battle for freedom. It is a battle for future generations of people that you and I will never know, that you and I will never see, whose names we will never utter. This is a battle for them every bit as much as the battle for freedom was all those many years ago for us. And sometimes I would like to suggest, if you don't mind, this is a spiritual battle as well. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake that this is spiritual. Because I'll tell you something. Our liberties, as I said before, come from God. This is a battle over our freedoms. And it is more than flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And that, and that reminds me of something, ladies. You know, we just celebrated 100 years of the right to vote. 100 years. That's significant. And I'll tell you why, too. You know, I was doing some reading on what that movement, that suffrage movement grew out of. And it grew out of the Second Great Awakening. And one of the platforms in that awakening, in that spiritual movement, was the abolition, abolition of slavery. They wanted to abolish slavery. There's other things, too. Um, uh, you know, abstaining from consuming alcoholic drinks in order to preserve family order and a couple of other things. But the abolition movement began at that point after the Second Great Awakening. And the women's right movement grew from female abolitionists who understood that, yes, we believe that all men are created equal, but we also believe that women, too, are created equal. And thus began the movement. 
I want to tell you something, ladies. You know, those ladies that fought for your right to vote, for your voice to be heard, for you to have a say in how things are conducted in this country. Those women, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, those women that started out fighting for that right for you and fighting to abolish slavery never had the opportunity to vote. Can you believe that? They worked on the suffrage movement for 51 years. And I am reminded of the time that Susan B. Anthony wrote to her dear friend because they had been working on this for so long. They became such good friends. Elizabeth Cady Stanton on Elizabeth's 87th birthday. Susan wrote, we little dreamed when we began this contest that a half a century later, we would be compelled to leave the finish of the battle to another generation of women. Imagine, imagine all of that work, a half a century's worth of work, and you had to turn that battle over to another generation of women. I want to tell you something. We can't afford to turn over the battle that we are in right now for our liberty to preserve our Constitution. We cannot afford to turn that battle over to another generation. It has to be won right now. It has to be fought right now. And I know that you and I are up for this task. And I want to encourage you with only 61 days until Election Day to do every single thing that you can do to make sure that we win this battle, perhaps the second greatest battle we will fight in this country for the same reason it was fought for so many years ago, liberty, liberty. Now we're gonna take a break here soon. I just wanna remind you, my name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. Like me, follow me, all that stuff. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And on Instagram, it's Rose Unplugged and the number one. This is the Sean Hannity Show and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Make sure you buy Sean's latest book, Live Free or Die, still on the New York Times bestseller list. Of course it is. Who's surprised by that? Check me out on Facebook, Rose Unplugged. Like me, follow me. Twitter, at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Insta is Rose Unplugged and the number one. You know what, ladies? I just I just ran. I was going through some paperwork I had here, and I see this photograph of a banner that the women were carrying around with them during the suffrage movement. And, and this one reads, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. We have a great show coming up for you. Speaker Gingrich will be joining us. Also, Donald Trump Jr. I can't wait to talk to him. He's got a new book out as well. And, uh, oh, and we've got someone from the Susan B. Anthony organization. We'll talk about pro-life issues. And uh, that's very important as we go into this election just 61 days away. Stay with us. We'll be back with way more after we come back from this break. My name is Rose. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Welcome back to the Hannity Radio Show. And listen, if you haven't yet purchased his latest book, Live Free or Die, you need to do that. Lots of other people are doing it because it remains a bestseller on the New York Times list. So be sure to do that. My name is Rose. I am sitting in today and I'm so happy to be doing that. I love it. Love Sean. Love his whole crew. And uh, thanks to Greg, who's here with me. We're broadcasting from Pittsburgh, by the way, uh, our president is right outside of Pittsburgh today. 
He's coming in, and uh, there is a rally, and we're so excited. It's in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And let me tell you something, people. Do not be fooled, and we are going to talk about polls later on. Do not be fooled by the numbers, okay? He is doing quite well here. I have been traveling the state. I speak outside of the state and throughout Pennsylvania, and he has done, I'll tell you what, the people here recognize a winner when they see it, and they recognize the security that they need economically and every other way in this country. And they recognize that that source of security, the man that's going to preserve our freedom in the Constitution is Donald Trump. So um, we're expecting a great turnout, not like the one that Joe Biden had when he came to Pittsburgh on Monday earlier this week. I think there was maybe a dozen people there. Honestly, I mean, there were other people out there with signs that were showing support for Trump. So, um, you know, it's um, it was sad. It was I mean, I felt bad. It was really bad. So anyway, yeah, we were expecting a great crowd today at the Latrobe area and uh, very excited to have the president. And, and I would be there if I weren't doing the show, but I'm happy to be doing the show because otherwise I wouldn't be talking to people like Donna from Texas. Hey, Donna, how are you? Good. Good. What did you want to talk about? Is this Rose? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you, Rose. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, I'll make it real quick. I'm really quite surprised that this has not been everybody having a microphone and saying this. No one is above the law, not even Nancy Pelosi. Hmm. How many times has she thrown that down on us? And I'm shocked that we're not hearing that. No one is above the law, not even Nancy Pelosi. I think that should have been said to her yesterday at that press conference. I think it needs to be said to her every single time someone has a microphone in their hand. Yeah, honey, Donna, I couldn't agree more with you. As a matter of fact, I do have that audio. Let's go ahead and play. Um, what Now, the background is, of course, that Nancy Pelosi went into a hair salon. It's one of those solo salons, you know, that are popping up everywhere these days. And uh, I think individual hairstylists will have their own. They pay to have their own seat there. So here she is. She in this particular area in San Francisco, their hair salons were not open um, until actually I think it was September 1st. And I think they're doing it outside. They're doing people's hair outside. So here's Nancy Pelosi inside having her hair done or blown dry. It was only a blow dry, but she's inside. No mask on. They're not even to be conducting business right now. Um, in that area, in, in San Francisco area. And uh, so now, gosh, she has been playing the blame game because she can't admit that what she did was wrong. She can't admit that she herself is not above the law. And it was interesting because today um, she abruptly canceled her weekly conference, coward. So let's take a listen to this soundbite, and I want to talk about this a little more. No, I've been there many over the years. I've been there many times. I appreciate, I appreciate so? the question. And let me oh, just say this, that's funny. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times, and that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time, and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay. I think oh, that, they okay. owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology for setting up. <laughs> so the salon owes her an apology. And the only thing that she is taking credit for or she's going to take the fall for is that that she was set up. 
I apologize that I was set up. Listen, lady, you know, you know what the rules are. You know you called in to make an appointment to try to get them to take you because, hey, don't you know who I am? I'm sure it went down like that. So here we go again. Rules for thee, not for me. She owes everyone an apology right now. You know, watching the video of her playing the blame game just proves how out of touch she is with average American people and blaming them and putting the blame back on them. Now, this San Francisco hair salon owner now has had to defend herself. She said on, I think it was on Tucker last night. Um, her name is Erica Kios, I believe. She denies that Nancy Pelosi actually was set up. Um, they have video of her in there without a mask on in a place that she shouldn't be. And the video, the, she's had cameras in that place for years, she said. So it wasn't just put in to capture Nancy Pelosi coming through. So if Nancy Pelosi thinks it's okay and safe to have her hair done and have it done without a mask, then isn't it safe for everyone else to do the same? Ladies and gentlemen, they have been closed for six months there. I'm sorry, Donna. They were closed for six months. For six months, many of those employees were with, all of those employees were without income for six months. And now the owner is getting death threats and hate messages from the left. Why is she getting those? Because Nancy Pelosi just blamed her and suggested or accused her of setting her up. What does she think is going to come out of that? People want to burn the salon down. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi, and you know, and this is interesting because we're going to be talking to Don Jr. later on in the show, and his latest book is about the left and the liberal privilege. I mean, this is a clear example of liberal privilege. She's Nancy Pelosi, so it's, it's a rule for you, but not for her. And these lies right now, the lies are essentially putting this woman at risk and her business at risk, her lies, Nancy Pelosi's lies. And yet there's no shame with these people. No shame. And she was demanding an apology from the owner. This is, this is, this is the kind of stuff that makes you want to just throw up. I mean, honestly, I just, I can't get over it. Here are people that have been struggling, business owners struggling all over this country, trying to figure out how they're going to put food on the table, keep a roof over their heads, no income whatsoever. And yet it's okay for Nancy Pelosi and whomever it was that did her hair to go in and have something done that you aren't allowed to do in San Francisco. You're not allowed. It's not safe for you, but it is safe somehow for Nancy Pelosi. I'm sorry, Donna. You were saying? No one is above the law, not even Nancy Pelosi. And that needs to be stated to her over and over again. Being set up, how was she set up? Did somebody go... Take her out of her home. No set one her set her up. At the hair salon. No. Set up. She no. wasn't set up. She elected to go against the law and have something done for herself. And don't tell and Yeah, and don't tell me, oh, I called and they said it was okay. You shouldn't have called in the first place. You shouldn't have called. The law is the law. The rule is the rule. Whatever it is over there. You shouldn't have called. You she knew it. Thank you, Donna. We've got another call from oh from my my home state. Uh, in fact, oh, I know this guy, Senator Doug Mastriano, is here doing great work in the state of Pennsylvania, Senator. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you, Rose, as well, for being a voice of reason in these dark times. 
Yeah, and you too. I mean, listen, you know what it's like to live under tyrannical rule. You live here in Pennsylvania. You understand you are hearing from business owners all over the place, the struggle that they've got. You know, I think about restaurant owners. What is it? Isn't the um, restaurant industry like one of the top three industries in this country? Uh, They're struggling. And you know, I hear this from everyone, Senator, that they they care about their employees more than they do themselves. They will tell me these employees are like family to us. And it, it's very touching. And I, I, I've been to some of their meetings where they're discussing how they're going to survive this and what they should do and uh, strategies, you know, and I feel for them. My heart breaks for them. I'm sure you hear stories all the time. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. And I can't believe that we're having this conversation in America, and especially in Pennsylvania, where all this started in 1776, that we have leaders like Pelosi, in our case, Governor Wolf, who issued an edict at one time for one county demanding that no one gather more than in groups of 25 at this one point back in June. And then the next day he's out with protesters with thousands of people because he believes in the, in the cause they're marching for. The hypocrisy and double standard. And we have a Secretary of Health ill-suited for the job, incompetent, whose resignation I'm still calling for, Secretary Levine. Levine uh, had this idiotic policy of sending back COVID-positive patients to nursing homes and, yeah, and elder care facilities. And, but, okay, that, that was a catastrophe. Uh, that, that was a disaster. 70% of our dead, 5,200 of us, 7,000-plus dead are a result of uh, Levine's incompetency. But Levine knew the danger, and like a snake in the grass, stuck out Levine's own mom out of the elder care facility, but didn't tell us. It didn't come out like a, a person of uh, integrity and say, hey, we got a problem here, and if you can, get your loved ones out. But instead, hid and is treated like an elitist. This, this is like East Germany or Soviet Russia with a double standard. Yeah, it really is. And I know that even Cuomo is under fire for something similar in the state of New York. Uh, and I hope, I do hope that we look into all of this because it's it's just an outrage. It really is what's going on. My heart breaks. Um, in Pennsylvania, correct me if I'm wrong, the governor here just extended the state of emergency for another 90 days. Yeah, so now we're going to go on through Thanksgiving. He took all of our seasons, you know, all of our joy, all of our summer. Now he wants to drag this out almost till December. And we tried to override that with his veto yesterday, and uh, we fell short. We didn't get enough Democrats. All the Republicans are voting with the people. The Democrats, when he peeled off nine, we need 18 more in the House to pull it over the line. And we'll need five in the Senate. And that, I just I can't get my mind around, Rose, that we have a party that's more dedicated to their petty party politics than they are for the people. They say that they're a part of the people. I don't see it. Show me. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. Now, you know, we're hearing now um, uh, from Dr. Fauci and others. Oh, you know, there's it's still really bad. COVID is really bad. You know, I, I mean, this is just I I. I it's just outrageous. I, I'm so concerned. I'm concerned for businesses. I'm concerned for the election, you know, and for particular state, states like Pennsylvania. I mean, it is really tough, really tough for a lot of business owners. And I don't know how they survive this. And a lot of them, quite frankly, can't survive it and haven't. That's right. And that's why so many of them are choosing to walk as free people and reopening, irrespective of the oppression from our Department of Ag and Department of, of uh, Health. And uh, getting fines but not paying them because they're choosing to walk in freedom. These are a violation of our basic constitutional rights. And if the governor, this governor thinks he has the power of a king to run roughshod over us and our freedoms, I say no. This is personal. I served in the Army for 30 years, and any veteran knows this is personal. Any American knows this is personal. It's time for us to choose to walk freely. It comes with risk. You'll have to decide if the risk is some of these folks are like, I'm going to lose my business anyway, so come what may. You know, do your worst, Governor Wolf. But it's time for us to start living as free people. We've taken our freedoms for granted. They've always been there, but now they're under assault. CDC, as, as you rightly said earlier on, did a reevaluation. And come to find out, only 6% of all the deaths listed of COVID were, were only from COVID. 
So that means less than 500 in Pennsylvania died only because of COVID and not because they had, you know, two or more pre-existing fatal health conditions. You know, average age of death in Pennsylvania is 84, and two or three uh, diseases uh, beyond COVID these people had. So we've been had, we've been played. You know what? You're absolutely right. And that was a great call. And Senator Mastriano, keep up the good work. You're doing a great job for the people in the state of Pennsylvania. And we appreciate you. Thank you. And God bless you. And keep fighting the fight. Don't grow weary, my friends. We have to, for the sake of our country and our freedoms, we got to persevere. You better believe it. It's absolutely necessary that we persevere. Thank you so much, Senator. We'll take a quick call. How much time do I have here? I have like two minutes. You know, I'll take a break and we'll come back with the other phone calls. And there's much more I want to talk about. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I am Rose Tennant and I'm sitting in for my dear, very good friend, Sean Hannity. Gosh, we've known each other for I don't know, almost 20 years, a long time. And I'm so glad to be here. Love it. Check me out, too. On Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. And on Instagram, it's Rose Unplugged and the number one. I love hearing from you. My website is Rose Unplugged. See, it makes it kind of easy, right? That whole Rose Unplugged thing. Yeah, I, I've done radio here, syndicated radio and lots of other radio. Um, I've devoted all of my time right now, though, to working on this campaign. It's so important. We're 61 days out until Election Day, and we need every one of you. We need all hands on deck. As a matter of fact, coming up right up to the top of the hour, we have Don Jr. joining us. He's actually in Pittsburgh right now, so that's kind of cool. Um, I wish we were in the same location. We're not. But uh, it's just good knowing that he's here, and we're going to be talking about his new book, Liberal Privilege. My goodness, isn't that, I mean, don't you see that everywhere? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And then after that, we have Speaker Newt Gingrich. And I got to tell you something. It's a little secret I'll let out of the bag. I adore him. I, I think he's one of the most brilliant political minds of my time. I really do. I just, I always, sometimes when something happens in the country or something's happening in Washington, I always think, what would Newt do? So it's like WWND, okay? Instead of what would Jesus do? It's like, what would Newt do in Washington, D.C.? Love that guy. He's coming on. And uh, just so much more, too. Um, Marjorie Dan and Felser is coming on. She's with Susan B. Anthony List. Lots to talk about there as well. Things that really concern this country. So stay with us. Check me out during the break. Facebook, Rose Unplugged. Twitter, Rose underscore Unplugged. And then Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. Then I'll take your phone calls too. That's right. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Sitting in for my very dear friend of many, many years, Sean Hannity. Make sure you check out his book, Live Free or Die. Speaking of books, we have the author of the new book, Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats' Defense of the Indefensible. And he's here to talk about his new book and the 2020 election. Please welcome Donald Trump Jr. Hey, you're in Pennsylvania right now. Well, I'm running around all over the place. I spend most of my weekends up in Pennsylvania. Today, I'm actually in New York, but that's oh, you where are. I spend my weekends. Yeah, I'm, I'm there all the time, though, because that's where my you know farm is, and that's where I get away from uh, the craziness of the world, too. 
Yeah, well, you know what? Your dad is here, and I was so sorry I couldn't see him. He is coming to our area, not too far away from where I'm broadcasting from right now. And uh, awesome, though, but I did help them with all the um, pre-rally festivities. So love your dad. Love you. Great to have you on the show. Oh, my gosh. When I think about this new book of yours, uh, Liberal Privilege, it's like they hand you the substance for your book. I mean, they could make it easier for you. Am I right? It's true. And in the last couple of days, I could have written <laughs> volume two. You, uh, you know, it, it, it's so insane. I, you know, the book obviously goes into Biden and his 50 years in the Washington swamp, uh, shipping jobs away, destroying American manufacturing. And he's running like a blue collar guy. But you saw it this week, you know, with the media coverage and their bias, he could go to Pennsylvania and tell them, I'm not against fracking. I'm, you know, I'm wonderful with fracking. But yeah. it's literally on his website that he wants to eliminate it. During the CNN debates, he said it on a world stage. He's eliminating all no new fossil fuels by 2030. Um, I, no new fracking, period. Uh, but the media will let him get away with anything. And that's sort of what liberal privilege is about. Uh, you're only hearing one side of a story. So it was interesting, Rose. I had no intention of writing a second book. I came off of Triggered last year. That was a lot of fun. Yes. But because of the lockdown, you know, you you couldn't go to church, work, or school if you wanted to loot, riot, or vandalize. That's 100% fine. But since I couldn't go to work, I said, I got to look into our opponent. And I started looking at the 50 years, the half a century of Joe Biden's swamp career. And honestly, what I found was amazing. And what was even more amazing than the craziness of what I found was the fact that exactly zero people in the mainstream media are talking about it. They've totally abdicated their responsibility to look into the candidates, to inform the American people, to instead just be cheerleaders for the radical left. And that's why they have Joe Biden, not because Joe Biden's competent or good, but because Joe Biden can be the camouflage that they can use to get him through hardworking blue collar areas. You know, it's moderate Joe from Scranton. Well, he's not moderate. You're not moderate with Kamala Harris as your VP. You're not moderate with Beto as your guns are. You're right. not moderate with the Biden-Sanders joint unity platform saying you're going to tax the middle class $4 trillion to pay for health care and education for illegal immigrants. You know, that's not a moderate stance. But the media likes them because they can lie to the American people and pretend that it is. And, you know, that's what liberal privilege is all about. You know, you're so right. I mean, our example this week for, you know, is Nancy Pelosi. You know, the rules are good for everyone else, but not for her. They don't apply. And then she turns it around. And this is what really breaks my heart. Dawn, she turns it around on the salon owner. And now that owner is getting death threats and they want to burn down her building. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi has accused her of setting her up. This is shameful, but there is no shame, is there? Not even a little bit of shame. I mean, setting her up, excuse me, Nancy Pelosi is the one pushing for these rules. She pushed for these rules on the floor of the House. Yes. She pushed for them in California. These are Democrat policies. That poor store owner, you know, they can't open for other people, but they can open for Nancy because she's above the law. She makes the rules. She doesn't have to live by them. Uh, That's insanity. Nancy Pelosi is the Marie Antoinette of the 21st century. Whether (laughs) Whether it's the tone deaf commentary, whether it's pushing for the salt deductions for billionaires and millionaires in California and New York, but denying the payroll tax cuts that my father wanted to put in for working class Americans. She's just out of touch. It's why she can give an interview during the pandemic in front of her $25,000 freezer with the custom ice creams yeah. you know, that average people couldn't afford. And she's making, you know, she's laughing. It's so funny. It's so, ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> she's never been held accountable and neither has Joe Biden for his disastrous policies. And yet, You know, the media is running as though he's somehow going to be a savior. How can you be the savior? 
of America. How can you sell that to the American people when the guy has a 50-year, a half a century of abject failure, but, like, you, no one can actually name a single accomplishment, meaning I know guys that take a little while to warm up, but half a century? Uh, you'd think that'd be disqualifying, but apparently it's not. You would think, you know, I find it interesting, too, Don, that suddenly Joe Biden is, yeah, yeah, what he said, you know, in terms of what your father has been saying all along, suddenly things are shifting, if you noticed, in their campaign. And it's because I think they're rattled by the poll numbers. And, you know, it's, I find it absolutely interesting. And here he is, too, in Kenosha, which he said that the, he criticized our president for going there. And now and and. He's there today. Yeah. It just—it seems to me that he's almost kind of following whatever President Trump said. Yeah, I'm there too. It, it's almost as though he knows that he needs to change things around a little bit because uh, after the conventions, there has been a shift in the numbers. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's because Joe Biden knows anything. I'm not sure Joe Biden knows where he is most of the time. And you don't have to believe me. Just listen to him when he confuses it. But his team certainly saw it. And notice, they had one week during the DNC, you know, that I hate America Zoom call to address the violence, to address the looting, to address the rioting. And no one did that one single person. It's only about 15 minutes after Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon are like, man, this is starting to affect us in the poll numbers. Uh, oh, all of a sudden. Oh, now he's against it. Where were you for three months, Joe? You know, you want right. to blame Donald Trump, but these are Democrat states with Democrat governors, Democrat cities with Democrat mayors, Democrat city councils, you know, uh, appointing your Democrat police chiefs. You sat and watched them burn, and now you want the federal government to bail them out. You didn't do anything. You didn't move a finger to stop it because you thought it was good for you somehow. Um, that's the lack of sense. But the fact that the media doesn't do that, the fact that the media doesn't even acknowledge that these things are the case, uh, the fact that they don't say, like, really, you're not going to denounce the violence? You're not going to – they expect you to denounce everything these days. But if you're a Democrat, you can get away with that, and that's – that's what liberal privilege is about. I go through the 50 years of Joe Biden's failed policies, uh, whether it's on race, whether it's on trade, uh, frankly, you know, the health stuff, uh, the family issues with everyone you know, living off of his taxpayer-funded office to the tunes of probably hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, and it's not just Hunter. It's the brother and that, you know, the housing contracts that he gets in the Middle East, even though he's never built a home, you know, minor details like that. Things that if I did, I'd be in jail. Things that if my family members did, We'd literally be in jail. It would be global news, um, and it wouldn't fly. But when it happens to the left, you can get away with anything. You can do and say whatever you want. There's no accountability. No one's going to question it. So, I, I, like I said, I had no intention of writing the book, but I found myself in lockdown. I started looking. What I saw was amazing, and I couldn't believe that today's media would be so irresponsible and just totally neglect their sworn duty to sort of report uh, about the candidates to inform Americans simply to become cheerleaders for the far left. So I said, if no one's going to do it, I got to do it myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you did, too. And, and you make some great points in the book. And there's a lot more to it, too. You talk about some of the scandals there, uh, liberal scandals. I think it's something that most people, everyone's going to find very fascinating. I got to tell you, too, I, I noticed that uh, the White House press conference featured video loop of Nancy Pelosi at the salon. And I got to say, I just I laughed. I mean, that is that was perfect. I love how your dad does things. I oh, really like do. I said, because the media is more interested in carrying the story about how she somehow got set up. How do you get set up? You knew what uh, exactly. you were doing. You wanted them to give you special treatment. You wanted to go in there and do that. You're the queen. You can get away with that. Like I said, it's Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. Exactly. You know, the, the Democrats, they're so out of touch. And by the way, I understand fully 
the irony of me saying that. You know, I'm the son of a billionaire from New York City. Like, I get how blessed we were, but how am I able to see the flagrant just ignorance towards real struggling Americans? Uh, but Nancy Pelosi, the leader of the House uh, and Speaker of the House, doesn't. I mean, it seems really weird, but it shows you how out of touch the Democrats are, how out of touch they are with the real American people that they're supposed to be representing but have clearly forgotten about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have to do this if you have a minute. I would love to play the soundbite from what Governor Cuomo had to say about your dad and your dad coming to New York City. Um, Take a listen. He can't come back to New York. He can't. He's going to walk down the street in New York. Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. An army. What do you think about that? What the heck? Yeah, Andrew Cuomo, he's a big, tough guy. Uh, you know, that's the reality, though. You know, this is the left. They're pushing and, and essentially inciting violence. I mean, what kind of governor? Someone couldn't go to a street in New York just because we disagree with them politically. Now, you look at Andrew Cuomo. How can Andrew Cuomo walk around New York? Look at the disgraceful job he's done with coronavirus. Right. New York has five times the death of, like, the next biggest state. Five times. Unbelievable. 20% of that was because of his executive order sending sick people into nursing homes. The elderly, the population that we knew, the only thing we knew about coronavirus early on was that if you had pre-existing conditions or were elderly, you were much more susceptible. We all knew that. My children knew that. My kindergarten knew that. That didn't stop Andrew Cuomo from sending thousands of sick people into nursing homes. Those deaths are on his hands. Now you try to get the information about that release and, oh, oh, they, oh, we can't find it now. Oh, they lost it. Oh, really? Does anyone believe that? Is anyone that stupid or is it just Andrew Cuomo that's that stupid that he thinks he can fool the American people? So they say, oh, well, well, we'll have a full reporting on November 5th, coincidentally, two days after the election. I mean, are, are Americans that naive? Are they buying this thing? Andrew Not at Cuomo's all. Andrew has been heralded as some sort of hero of COVID-19. He's number 50 out of 50. I mean, I understand the Democrats are all about participation medals, but you're giving the biggest loser in America the accolades when there's not a single medical metric that says he did a good job. He was literally last place. But because he'll say negative stuff about Trump, you know, they won't do it. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll give Gavin Newsom some credit. Gavin Newsom got on air with some of these very liberal reporters and said, hey, listen, when I needed anything, I called Donald Trump at midnight and the next day it was there. You know, we don't agree on much. We're in 47 different lawsuits. You know, that's why he doesn't get airtime, because he didn't take cheap shots for no reason. They'll give Andrew Cuomo all the airtime in the world, despite literally gross incompetence. Look at what's going on in New York. People are fleeing New York. They're fleeing. Yes, they are. They can't can't even get U-Haul trucks. They want to leave the state. He wants to tax them to death because, you know, he has to make up for failed policies of of decades. He says it's, you know, he needs multi-billions for Corona relief. It's not Corona relief. It's 50 years of Democrat leadership and incompetence that has put these states, these blue states in these kind of positions. And he wants everyone in Iowa and states that have run responsibly to bail him out. I don't think so, Andrew. And no one's that stupid. No one is that. No, we're not. We're not buying it anymore. Listen, I we're out of time and I loved having you on. We're talking to Don Trump Jr., Donald Trump Jr., author of the new book, Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats Defense of the Indefensible. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rose. I hope you guys enjoy the book. 
Yeah, we will. Thank you. Take care. All right, so you're listening to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out on Facebook, Rose Unplugged. Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. You can always check out my website. That happens to be Rose Unplugged. All right, we'll be back with more of The Sean Hannity Show and Rose Tennant after this. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. The call-in number is 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. I am Rose Tennant, longtime friend of Sean Hannity. So glad to be part of the show today and to spend time with all of you. This is always a great audience. Check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged, Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Instagram, Rose Unplugged and the number one. It was really nice to have Don Jr. on the program. He is so, God, he's so passionate and he's so full of energy. And I have to say that um, I, I probably during the 2016 election, spent the most time with Eric Trump. I, I found them, uh, their headquarters in southwestern PA. I was there a lot. Eric was here a lot. He was on my show a lot. And uh, Don was here a couple of times as well. And I have to say, I they're to me, they seem like two different people, but they are both just so very generous and kind and gracious. And I've always enjoyed uh, the time that I spent with them. So I appreciated having him on today. The book sounds fascinating. And there's stuff in there that we don't even know about that he was able to dig up. So you definitely want to check out his book. I mean, isn't it appropriate? I mean, talk about liberal privilege. I mean, my goodness, that's all we're, we are seeing right now in the news. And I want to talk more about Cuomo, and I will later on. You know, after the half-hour break, that we have Speaker Newt Gingrich joining us. So that's really exciting, too. I will take a quick call from Bob in Pittsburgh. He's been waiting the longest, it looks like. Go ahead, Bob. How are you? Hey, Bob. Yes. Hey. Hello. Hi. Rose. Yes. Hi, this is Bob from Pittsburgh. You know, I really miss listening to you and Jim in the mornings. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been a union steam fitter in Pittsburgh for 40 years. And if it weren't for the areas of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania would be a reliably Republican state. And I blame that on the union's influence and their members, because if it wasn't for the AFL-CIO, the SEIU, and the teachers' unions not realizing the Democrats have played them for fools for so many decades, just like they have the minorities. They play them for fools. They promise them everything. They deliver nothing. They get their dues money. They get their political action money, and they get their votes. And then they forget about them until the next time they need them. You know what, Bob? i got to go, but you make an excellent point, and I'm actually going to address that during the 5 o'clock hour because I am hearing some things, some rumblings, even from union workers here in this state. So thank you so much for the call, Bob. Good to hear from you. We'll be back with lots more. Don't forget that Speaker Gingrich is joining me next. Can't wait. I'm Rose Tennant in for Sean Hannity. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show, and my name is Rose Tennant, sitting in for him today, 61 days until Election Day. Check out Hannity's book, Live Free or Die, still on the New York Times bestseller list. Also, author of a new book coming out soon, Trump and the American Future, and host of the Newt's World podcast, please welcome former Speaker of the House and author Newt Gingrich. How are you, Mr. Speaker? I'm doing great, and it's great to be with you. 
I, I'm so glad to have you on. You know, I have this like secret political crush on you. I often think that, in, in my opinion, <laughs> you're one of the, I think, most brilliant minds uh, in politics in, in my in my lifetime. And so I'm thrilled to have you on today. Well, listen, thank you. I'm, I'm uh, excited about what we're doing, and I'm delighted to be with you. And this is an amazing period. I think uh, one of the, probably the most historic American presidential race since 1864. And it's just really a big deal. And I think uh, everybody should approach it from that standpoint. You know, you're right about that. In fact, I was telling the audience earlier when I was telling them that you were coming on with me, uh, I, I often think about uh, Newt Gingrich. What would Newt do? It's almost like WWND, you know? What would Newt do? And and it's funny. <laughs> and you had just tweeted something, too, after I was thinking that earlier. You were talking about the um, contract with America, which I think was brilliant. It was just brilliant. And that 1994 contract uh, had a first commitment to it, and it really relates to what we're seeing with Nancy Pelosi. We just talked to Don Jr., and his new book is uh, Liberal Privilege. Uh, doesn't that all relate to that first commitment of that 1994 contract? Well, it's true. I mean, uh, we sat down, listened to the American people, and realized that the anger about a political aristocracy that thought that they could have one set of rules and you and, I, you and I would live under the other, was so deep that we made requiring Congress to live under the same rules as everybody else the number one plank in our platform. And as long as we were in charge, we stuck to that. So if we passed something on Americans with disability, it applied to the Congress. Mm. If we passed some regulation on small business, it applied to the Congress. And to watch Nancy Pelosi... At a time when the left-wingers in California have crushed small business, have said nobody can go and get their hair done, and she just, you know, breaks the rules totally and does so so hypocritically that she infuriated the owner of the beauty salon, who then uh, videotaped her uh, and released it. And I think it, but it's just typical. You, you have the same thing, for example, on school choice, where... You have all these rich liberals who send their kids to private school, but to pay off the teachers' unions, they're deeply opposed to school choice for normal people. You have the same thing, frankly, on crime, where the Minneapolis City Council that wanted to abolish the police force happened to have security paid for by the city of Minneapolis for them personally, but not wow. for everybody else. So I think there's a big, a really big debate to be had about the hypocrisy of the liberal governing class and how do we bring them under control. Well, no, that's a good... All right, that leads me into my next question. Is it time for another contract with America? What would you be advocating for if you were still there right now? Well, I think what President Trump released recently is some 50 major items that he would undertake yes. in the second term. was a pretty good step towards a contract. And I, I wrote a uh, newsletter at... Uh, Gingrich 360, which is available for free, where I said, this is sort of Trump's contract with the American people. And it includes some big ideas and, and some big breakthroughs. I'm, I'm a deep believer, for example, that we have to be the leading country in space uh, because it's, it sort of will define the future. Trump, of course, has committed himself to a space force for the first time. Uh, he has committed himself to getting Americans on the moon 
including the first uh, woman astronaut to land and be on the moon permanently, and then to move from a permanent base on the moon to Mars. Well, those are the kind of commitments that, you know, I think make for a genuine contract with the American people. And if, if people want, they, they can go to Gingrich 60 and they'll see in my newsletter on the Trump contract with the American people, I item after item. Good example: school choice, which I mentioned a minute ago. All these rich liberals, including, uh, uh, by the way, Vice President Biden, send their kids to private school, but then sell out to the teachers' union and say they are opposed to you having the right mm-hmm. to send your child to to school. And I think that's the kind of hypocrisy that we were trying to get at in the contract with America back in 1994. That's interesting. And I think you're right. I agree with you when he did uh, release those major uh, items on that 50 item list. And I really do. I see a a connection there between that and what you all did back in 1994, which was brilliant, by the way. When we think about the looting and the violence and the lawlessness that we see all around us right now, you know, the Democrats for so long, particularly during the convention, had absolutely nothing to say about it. Now, all of a sudden, we've got Joe Biden. Um, He's traveling to Wisconsin today. Uh, Suddenly he's speaking out. What changed? What changed, Speaker? Gingrich. Well, look, I think that uh, you have to recognize that it's not at all clear um, what's going on out there. And I think that uh, people like Biden, first of all, the polls are now so bad on the issue of violence that even somebody like Don Lemon on CNN News Mm -hmm. said, oh, my gosh, you've got to get ahead of this. So I think it's totally hypocritical. Uh, They have a huge problem. Um, the base of their activist wing uh, believes in violence. It believes in uh, having district attorneys who do not prosecute criminals. It believes in reducing the funding or eliminating totally the police force. I mean, these are genuine, sincere beliefs by the dynamic activist wing of their party. And so Biden is trying to, in a sense, uh, play to both sides at the same time. He can't really come out, for example... Uh, and condemn the violence in Portland or condemn the violence in Kenosha or condemn the violence in Seattle, because that would offend the left wing of his party. And you'll notice that they never quite figure out how to say the word Antifa, so they can never really explain what the real base of hostility is and why so many people uh, really believe that uh, you're faced with, I think, an anti-American effort of enormous proportion. Yeah, and and really, I think people really don't want to see that, and the polls indicate that, as you suggested. And I and I think that the Democrats are finally picking up on that. It may be, and I'm hoping, uh, too little, too late. Would you agree? I mean, I don't think they can make up for the lost time. This has been going on all summer. Can they possibly make up for lost well, time? Oh, sure. Look, we, we live in a very short-term memory society. Yes. Maybe not quite as short-term memory as but. As Biden, but still, <laughs> pretty short-term memory. Yeah, but, but but their problem is, in the end, it's 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 their district attorneys elected by George Soros's money. It is their it's their uh, mayors. I watched last Sunday, and it was just it was pitiful. I can't find a better word to watch the mayor of Portland for forty-five minutes mm. bake people after ninety-four days of violence. 
begged them to quit being violent. And, of course, the next night, the mob showed up at his condominium, burned out the uh, local retail store that was at the bottom. It's, a, it's a, I think, a 24-story building. They burned out the retail store. They made it very difficult and frightening for people to go into their own homes. And he has now announced uh, that he is going to go and find someplace and not tell anyone where it is. Well, now think about this. This is the mayor of a city. He has a police force. He could have turned these people around in six hours. He could have brought in enough police, arrested all of them, uh, protected everybody. But because on the left, you're not, you know, the left, I, I wrote in a book called um, Trump and the American Future. I had a chapter on the Democrats being pro-criminal and anti-police. And sadly, everything we're living through validates that chapter. Right. You know, and it's interesting, too. I, I just thought of something. One of the lines from the Republican convention that I thought was very powerful was when the president said that he broke the cardinal rule of Washington, D.C. He kept his promises. You know, I mean, honestly, we haven't seen a president like this, I don't know, in a very long time. And, and, and I appreciate that so much. But it was so powerful, that statement. And I'm certain that, you know, when you look back even in, on your history, you know, in Washington, D.C., I'm sure you'll agree that that's that's Quite unique, isn't it? Someone who kept their promises all the way through. What well, is unique? I mean, the, the, the thing that you have to remember about Trump that makes him so really outside the norm is he's not a politician. Right. He never ran for office. He's a business guy. And he finally got totally fed up, decided he could do a better job, uh, beat 15 Republicans to prove he was right, beat Hillary Clinton to prove he was right, and has stood up still under four solid years of totally dishonest press assault. Um, and I think that's who he is. So I, I think you, you cannot measure uh, President Trump by any normal standard. You've got to go back and look either at Andrew Jackson as a great disruptive figure or Abraham Lincoln as managing a giant crisis. But there are very few presidents who have anything close to uh, Trump's ability to get things done and Trump's ability to start a whole new fight. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're very fortunate to have him. I do believe, uh, Mr. Speaker, that we will have him for another four years. I know that, you know, an anecdotal evidence is not science, but at, at the same time, I had seen uh, evidence of a win in 2016, albeit different from the evidence I'm seeing now. But I can tell you that I've talked to um, business owners all across the state. I travel um, at, uh, speaking to uh, GOP groups and, and, and others, and I am hearing from business owners who just recognize now that the reason they're hurting, the reason they're struggling is because of Democrats. I talk to women across, and I'll tell you something, I reject, I reject those polls that say that suburban women don't like this president and that women in general don't. I reject that because the women I talk to, they appreciate this president because the one thing, Speaker, that we all care about as women is the future for our children, the security and safety for our children, the ability for those children to pursue their dreams and their happiness. That's what we care about. And the only person that's out there right now that can tell us that they can do it because we've seen them do it before is our president. That's it. Well, I think that's right. And I also think um, though you may end up having safety uh, Trump supporters who are people who I've, I've read two columns in the last week from people. One of them said, look, I was anti-Trump until I realized that he was the only guy who cared about my physical safety. And another mm. was by a uh, historically well-known uh, liberal correspondent who said, 
if, if the number one requirement is physical safety, and I am for the candidate who's for my physical safety, even if I disagree with him on everything else, because if I don't have physical safety, I don't have anything else. And these are very profound breaks uh, in the wall of opposition to Trump. And I think it's going to continue and, and accelerate. I agree with you. Do you, so if you had a prediction, when you look at some of these battleground states, I honestly believe that Pennsylvania is going for President Trump. I, I actually have no doubt about it. Uh, what, how do you feel about some of the others? And do you think that we'll have the results on election night, or are we going to see something really crazy happen this year? No, I, I think we're, it's clearly going to take three or four or five days. Okay. Um, the number of mail-in ballots, the complexity of the whole system, uh, we, are, we are drifting towards, I think, a disaster. Yes. And my hope is that the president will win by such a big margin that it's impossible to steal it. But we have to recognize that the Democrats have done everything they could to set up a scenario for stealing the election and that it's a very real danger. They truly have. And I think the only thing, as you suggested, that may save us from that disaster is the fact that we will have tremendous numbers coming out in support of this president. We're talking to uh, former Speaker of the House and author of the upcoming book, Trump and the American Future. And he's the host of Newt's World Podcast. And you also mentioned Gingrich 360, which is free. Is that correct? That's exactly right. I do both uh, regular newsletters and regular podcasts. They're both free at Gingrich 360, and it's my effort to try to inform people of what's going on and what it really means. Well, we appreciate you. I have personally always appreciated all that you've done for this country. Um, you're a great American, and thank you so much, Speaker Newt Gingrich. I appreciate well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. You have a great evening. You have a great evening. So this is the Sean Hannity Show. I will take your phone calls coming up, 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN. Stay with us, please. Hey, welcome to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. My name is Rose Tennant, and I'm sitting in for him. He's a dear friend for many, many years. And do me a favor, will you? Will you check me out on Facebook? It's Rose Unplugged. Go do those things that you're supposed to do, like like me, follow me. Also, Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one. Uh, my website's Rose Unplugged as well. I want to do a shout out because he missed it when I did it during the very beginning of the show at 3 o'clock, 3.05. Hank Soma, dad, glad you're listening. Love you. You're the best dad ever. Okay. How about that? You really are. And I'm your favorite daughter. I'm just saying he has four and he loves us all equally, but he's my favorite dad. I can tell you that. All right, coming up now, I am really excited to talk to this lady, the Susan B. Anthony list. These people have been advocates for pro-life for a long time, doing great work, such necessary work. I appreciate them so much. My guest is the head of the Trump campaign's Pro-Life Voices for Trump. By the way, I am on the um, advisory board for Women for Trump. She is the author of the book, Life is Winning, and that came out this past week, so you've got to get a copy of that. She's getting attention from all sides in this political field. Life is winning author. Please welcome to the show Marjorie Dannenfelser. How are you, Marjorie? Rose, I am thrilled to be on your show. I mean, I love Sean, but when I heard you were going to be here, I was just thrilled. I'm on oh, Facebook so already. 
Oh my gosh, I saw you. I meant to I meant to get back to you too. So I will be doing that. I I love the work that you're doing. As a matter of fact, I think Susan B. Anthony List was looking for some people at one time and I reached out because I would love to help in any way I can. This is such an important issue. And I mean, we can't forget this. I talked about liberty in, in the beginning of the show and how this is it's absolutely necessary. It is a gift from God. It is what is required for all those things that we hold dear for our future, for our children. But, you know, that that goes to the unborn child as well. And I can't believe that we are still having this discussion, you know, even now. But I will say this. There's been some recent polling and you want to share some of these numbers with us because it, it looks like people are having there was a shift. And we started seeing this a couple of years ago and, and we're seeing a shift right. still. Right. Would you agree? That's right. Oh, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, even among self-described pro-choice people, they look at what's legal in this nation, which they didn't know of a while back until uh, Trump and Pence and some senators started talking about it. They look at when abortion is legal and they say, well, I'm pro-choice, but I'm not that. I'm not for after 20 weeks. I'm not even pro-choice or pro-abortion after the first trimester. So the polls have come our way as people have understood what the law is, number one, and number two, they would never have if we had not had some fantastic, strong leaders elected that communicate this beautifully, boldly, and eloquently. That's all started around 2014 uh, when we really decided, okay, this is the moment to go statewide and battleground states door-to-door. We're not missing this anymore. And the muscle has increased vastly, and the indications are everywhere. You know, and that's there are indications everywhere in that it does your heart good to see those. And when we think about, you know, I, I love that there is now pro-life voices for Trump. And I was actually there in Washington, D.C. when we kicked that off. Um, it was so fabulous to be part of that. I, I First of all, let me just say, I love that the this, this Trump administration, those people working on the campaign have established so many coalitions and um, and they're representing it shows the representation of so many aspects mm-hmm. of life and so many groups of people. But I was there in yeah. Washington, D.C. for the pro-life march and the first time ever having a president address that crowd. And I was out there holding my pro-life voices for Trump uh, placard, <laughs> by the way. OK, I was there and you were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I was next to him. Uh, yeah, you were on the stage. Yeah. And I look I what's your your point about the coalitions, I think, is really important because Republican Party of days past not now, I wouldn't say, um, was a, the coalitions were basically outreach to people who aren't, who aren't really us. I think that's, mm-hmm. frankly, how I think it turned out to be. But because this president and vice president are who they are, these coalitions are aspects of who they are, not people they're not. <laughs> so in other words, they're wholly pro-life. They are truly to their core pro-life and have acted as the most pro-life um, president and vice president in history, without question, hands down. Um, so a coalition is just a way to organize and a way to reach people in states where we really need to reach them. Um, and I know you've seen, Rose, so, so you were commenting on the Democratic Convention and on the Republican Convention. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Convention, not a word. No word abortion mentioned the entire no. time, except for perhaps in a montage. And the Republican Convention, fully embraced beautifully, exposed by Abby, uh, Abby um, Johnson for, for what it is. Yes. Communicated in all sorts of speeches where they just, it was just a natural flow. It wasn't the point of the speech. So completely different from a handful of years ago. That's another way that we're winning because now it's bold and clear and people can see it. 
You know, you're so right. And, and since you mentioned the, the Republican convention, you know, that was the celebration of all life. Uh, that's how I saw it. You know, it was overcoming, um, diver- overcoming um, problems and issues and, and things that would ordinarily hold others back. But the American spirit makes it possible to move on. And I was so, I cannot tell you how blessed I was by watching that. I was so encouraged by watching that convention. And all life was so clearly celebrated every single evening of that event, every single evening of that convention. Mm-hmm. And and it was so uplifting. It yeah. really, really was. I it was fabulous. So I think, yeah, and our principles are big principles. They're inclusive. They include people. They don't exclude, divide, Who uh, talk about who's going after whom. And, and it really is um, very important, that idea. The idea that you could somehow build rights on the broken rights of other people has been shown to be wrong over and over and over through history in every human rights battle that was successful. It never worked. Ask Susan B. Anthony, who was also an abolitionist. That's um, right. She was, you know, the, the one who uh, got, the, got us into this thing, got women into the political scene. So that, that message doesn't resonate, that exclusive message. Um, but the one that includes does, and it's very attractive. And I think that's, that's in large part why we are winning. Yeah, I agree with that. And we do, I mean, just having this president support um, life so, you know, unabashedly, he just is out there so strong and fighting for the unborn child uh, along with the rest of us. So, and and I got to say that, you know, when you think about your mission now as you go forward with Susan B. Anthony List and and uh, Pro-Life Voices for Trump, what what is your strategy? What are you seeing? What are you hoping to accomplish mm-hmm. in the immediate uh, future, but then yeah. even in long term? Well, it's very specific. I was with the vice president today in North Carolina um, activating just the, just the tactic. Um, it is very, while it's very simple, it's also uh, not, not easy. And that is um, in just a handful of days, in a handful of states, a handful of voters, and we think pro-life voters will be an enormous part of this, will decide who was the next president and who was the next Senate. Who yeah. is it pro-life or is it pro-abortion Senate? And from there, it will be decided what our courts will look like. And we are one, hopefully one, maybe two votes away on the Supreme Court from dismantling Roe versus Wade. And the only effect of that will be is to return the power of to back to the states to decide what their own abortion law is. I mean, I think ultimately there should be a national one, but at least in the beginning, allow states to enact their own laws. Now they can't. They yeah. simply can't because of that super law of Roe versus Wade. So that's a strategy. So right now what we're involved in in these next days is we go door to door and we communicate in all sorts of other ways as well. In these battleground states, we've got these young people wearing blue shirts, happy, upbeat, signing out, going to pro-life voters and marginal voters, Democrats, independents, Republicans, and encouraging them. And it's hard work in this environment, you can imagine. Um, and they are just doing God's work. They're really doing a beautiful job. And that is how, that is the hard work of community-level winning of votes. Um, So I'm very optimistic about what will happen on November 3rd. 
Yeah, I like that you mentioned young people. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned uh, Pence, who I absolutely adore. I think that we have been so blessed and so fortunate that he was the choice for vice president. Uh, there's so many things I appreciate about him. Last night, I did an event with young Republicans here in Western southwestern PA. It turned out to be an, a fabulous event, well attended. And we had John Pence come in. He is the son of Congressman Pence and the nephew, mm-hmm. of course, of our vice president. Um, and seeing the, the number of young people come out and support that event last night support life and i think that really struck me this time around i've been you know following this for a long time and been at the marches in washington dc what struck me this time was the number of young people i was so happy to see that yes that's different that's different it really is motivating it's our future i mean our canvassers were all here in in raleigh today with, with the president vice president as well it's so young. These are the people going door to door. We'll be in Pittsburgh next week doing exactly the same thing with the vice president, sort of regrouping and reinvigorating in this kind of last long haul that's actually very short. Oh, <laughs> yes. Day. Yeah. And so that, you know, um, that is actually Vice President Pence's perspective, too. You know, his daughter is very involved. Charlotte is very involved in the, in the pro-life movement. Um, and uh, Sarah Huckabee, you know, she's... Love she's, her. A mother, but she's young. Um, she she actually wrote the forward to intro to our book, and the vice president wrote the um, wrote the intro to the, the book. And life is winning. Basically, is plagiarizing from him his speeches because that's what he says, and he's right. Yes. So <laughs> um, this is, but they all talk about the use of the movement. Yes. That says a lot, doesn't it, Rose? It really does, and it does my heart good to see that. It does. By the way, if you're going to be in Pittsburgh and you've got something planned, uh, we'll connect yeah. through Linda, I'm sure, but you need I need oh, to good. help you do whatever you need. So, oh, all right. I'm glad we spoke with you. Yes, I am too. I am too. <laughs> so, so listen, okay, so get out there and get this book. We're, we're talking to Marjorie Dannenfelser, and she is the author of Life is Winning, and as she said, the introduction is by our Vice President, Mike Pence, and there's a perspective there uh, from President uh, Press Secretary, or our former uh, White House Press Secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's an amazing woman. And I just have one thing to say bef- before I let you go, Marjorie. I, I don't understand how anyone who loves God, loves life, can reject it and, 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 and allow this to continue and vote for someone who does not respect life the way that we do and the way that it is, it is necessary. Yeah. So, well, Rose, anyway. I understand what you're saying. I, I do. I was very strongly pro-choice, and I didn't want to look. But as soon as I did, I fell hard. And yeah. I think that's happening over and over every day. Every home we visit, it's happening. So there's so much hope out there. I, I really appreciate your voice. It's just Yours so too, my friend. Yours too, my friend. Thank Marjorie Dan, Dan and Felser, get the book, Life is Winning. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much. God bless you and your efforts. I appreciate that. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Hey, check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. I need you to like me and follow me. I'm going to check the numbers and see if you did. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Instagram, Rose Unplugged in the number one. Taking phone calls when we come back, 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-SEAN. Thanks, guys. Stay here with us. Roberto, you're on the line. I can see you. I'm coming to you next. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out on Facebook. I'm going to see if you did it. Rose Unplugged on Facebook. Like me, follow me, all that stuff. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. Let's go to Jason in Canada. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for waiting, but I really do want to take your call. Go ahead. 
thanks, Rose. Thank you so much for your opening monologue. That image of some of your founding fathers uh, kneeling in reverence and uh, some of them weeping, that wasn't lost to me. That's very powerful. I think yeah. that explains the kind of men they were and why they defeated, at, at that time, the most powerful empire on Earth. Uh, really quick, I just wanted to say, I really want President Trump to win again as a Canadian. Because when America is strong, Canada is strong. Mm-hmm. When Biden and Obama were running America, Canada was, everything was being shipped out to China and India. And I'm a blue-collar guy. I, uh, Trump, he's a little rough around the edges, but he's the one. As an outsider looking at you guys, I really hope you vote for Trump again, because that will not only help your country economically, but mine as well. You know, Jason, thank you for that, because I do believe that is true. It is absolutely true. We need to remain as the beacon of light. We need to be that light on a hill, that salt, you know, and, and we can be and we we have been for so long. And we lift everyone else up. We are a great country. And I am not ashamed to say that. I am proud of this country. I'm proud. Yeah. Have we made mistakes? Yes. But you know what? Every life is full of mistakes. But we have overcome a lot. I love this country. I thank you for pointing that out, Jason. It's funny because I got an email during the show from someone who, it's uh, from Les. He is an Aussie. He said, I heard you're open on the Sean Hannity show. The importance of your nation to the preservation of freedom beyond your borders is so necessary. People all over the world understand how important this battle is that we are in right now, people. We are in a battle of a lifetime. We are in a battle not just for us, not just for this country, but the entire world is watching this and hoping and have their fingers crossed or they're praying that we win this battle for freedom, that we win this battle for future, for a future for everyone, not just ours, but those that come after us, not just ours here, but those around the globe. We're hearing from Canada, from uh, Australia. I I love it. I mean, this is so important, so impactful. We'll be back with a lot more. My name is Rose Tennant. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Call me, 800-941-SEAN. I'll take your phone call now. I'm ready for you. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Shout out to Dr. Karen Luther, her office and staff and her patients are all listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show. And apparently they always do. So nice to hear from all of you as well. My name is Rose Tennant and check me out on Facebook. I want you to like me. I want you to like me. Please like me and follow me on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. So I do want to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. I want, I'll take some phone calls here. I see some, a blast from the past is on the line. But before I get to that, Roberto has been waiting before I bring Roberto. Actually, let me get Roberto. He's calling from New York City. How are you, Roberto? Ciao. Como esta? Uh, bene. Como esta? Ah, bravo. Hey, listen, <laughs> I want to play for you, Roberto. Um, Roberto is a business owner. He owns restaurants. Uh, he lives in New York City. So I want to get your opinion, Roberto, since you're on the phone, uh, of this soundbite as, as you listen to what Cuomo has to say about our president. Take a listen. He can't come back to New York. He can't. He can't. Come back to New York. He's going to walk down the street in New York? Yeah. Forget he bodyguards. He better yeah. have an Forget army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. Forget about it. He needs an army. Can you believe that's how he's talking about our president? Would you be very upset, Roberto, if the president 
came to New York. No, this is a free city, a free country. I think everybody is supposed to go everywhere. So no, uh, that is not happen, but that is not can happen. I think New York is very, of course, New York is very dangerous in this moment. Is you need to be very uh, worry what's going on and uh, try to be aware where you're going in New York City. It's really no. not the city I find 11 years ago, for sure. Now, that's interesting. It's not the city that you knew 11 years ago. Uh, 1,000 shootings before Labor Day. 1,000 people. There's a 277% increase in shootings in one month over the year before. In one month. 277% increase. I know, Roberto, that you have seen firsthand the danger, someone that you know. Am I right? Yes. One of my best employees was a shooter in the subway for no reason. That really was very, very hard for us. And uh, told you, it's really you need to be more careful in New York City now. I'm sure that will be finished soon. And we pray for that. Can we finish soon? This one, this situation. You know, and you, you had told me before that, you know, if this country, if we can't preserve this Constitution, if we cannot save liberty, then you said to me once, why did I come here? And where do I go next? I want to stay here, so for sure. This, I'm an American, American citizen. I want to stay here. I love this country. I love uh, um, the spirit you have here. The first time I was uh, 35 years ago in this country, I feel uh, freedom. I feel opportunity. I feel well, in this country will never happen in the rest of the world. I think this is amazing. I want to keep it that way. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, you did come here because of the freedom, did you not? You wanted to be able to pursue your dreams. Yes. Yeah. You know, thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for what you all are going through in New York City. I am very, very sorry. Um, you were wonderful, and uh, someday we'll talk about your restaurant on the air again. Right now, I understand that we, you know, we don't want to mention any names, but uh, you are you've worked hard to get to where you are, and I'm proud of you as your friend, and uh, and and you make delicious food. So I, I wish you the best in, in the city, Roberto, and thanks for calling Thank in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you also. Ciao. The best too. Ciao. 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 All right, let's take uh, Bill Knight from Pennsylvania. This is a blast from the past. This guy used to be my boss. As a matter of fact, Bill, are you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I mean, there's that voice. Bill Knight gave me my first job, really, in radio. He gave me my first job in radio. Oh, honey, thank you. You deserved that job. You did a great job there. Uh, You were the the perfect match for that show. And you're doing a great job now. Yes, I love it. You should run for office. (laughs) That's what everybody tells me. We'll see. We we shall see. Actually, I probably would like to do that. Yeah, maybe in uh, 24, you had a team with Pence. There you go. (laughs) You know who I... (laughs) So are you you in Pennsylvania, or or, or where are you now? Northeast Pennsylvania. I've been here for for years. But, you know, I was here for 2016, and, and this is... Well, this is... This is the doorstep to Biden, Scranton. I'm 20 miles away from it. And, they, you know, they touted that then, you know, when Hillary was trying to stomp here and he was trying to stomp for her. But you saw how Pennsylvania went. Yes. And it was kind of quiet for a while. And I think that a lot of Republicans are, are, are afraid to say 
you know, that they're really for Trump. So they just shut up and don't say anything. And it, it seems to be a democratic thing or a liberal thing to, to bash you down as soon as they know. I, I've been called a racist because uh, they realize that, oh, well, you, you associate with that party? Oh, well, you, you are what you associate with. Really? You really? They ought to look in the mirror when they say that. Yeah. But um, I'm starting to see the Trump signs show up. The Biden signs weren't up. And it's about a three-to-one ratio in everybody that I talk to here. And let's face it, this is a Democratic stronghold. But they went to Trump the last time. Yep. And I'm really seeing that they're going to do that again. But the numbers are important. I think Newt kind of, you know, well, he didn't kind of. He did. He touched base on what I've been thinking. And that is we've got to go in strong numbers because otherwise the fix is in. You know, that postal thing is just not a more. It's more than a talking point. Um, and you're going to see something nasty happen if you don't get out and go to the poll. If don't think about it, just do it. <laughs> just do we it. Win by sheer volume numbers. If we really get out that vote and do it. You know, Bill, you're absolutely right. In fact, one of the things I want to I want to talk about before I leave the show today um, touches on what you said, and and uh, you, you had also mentioned when the call screener was talking to you about the Biden signs and Trump signs, and how you're seeing so many more Trump signs. And I know it sounds anecdotal, but sometimes you can count on some anecdotal um, evidence as perhaps a victory. I did in 2016, I, and I and I have some new evidence I'm going to share with everybody for 2020. But Bill Knight. Thank you for giving me my first job in radio. And it is so cool that you would call today as I'm sitting in for the awesome Sean Hannity. Thank you, Bill. God bless. Good to hear from you. Well, thank you. And he does a great job just like you do. There you, you guys, go. Oh, how nice. You're number one. God bless, Bill. Thank you, hon. Thank you. Hey, listen, here's what I'd like to do. Um, you can call in 800 941 Sean, 800-941-7326. I'm thinking about taking the break because I do want I do want to share my anecdotal evidence of a Trump 2020 victory. Um, so that's what I'd like to do when we come back. In the meantime, while you're waiting for me to come back, listen to all the commercials and buy their stuff and go to Facebook and check me out. Like me, follow me, Rose Unplugged on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged and on instagram it's rose unplugged and the number one having so much fun sharing with all of you today talking to you all that was pretty cool talking to the guy that gave me my first job in radio i will be i'll be back with a lot more after this all right welcome back to the sean hannity radio show be sure to go out there and get a copy of his best-selling book it's on the New York Times list again, and that is Live Free or Die. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram, Rose Unplugged, the number one. And my website is Rose Unplugged. You see how easy I make it for everybody? That easy. I do want to say thanks. I can't believe how quickly these three hours have gone. Newt Gingrich was with us. I, I love him. I have a secret political crush on him. Uh, Don Jr., awesome. And Marjorie was great as well. And your phone calls, I had such a great time with all of you today. Thank you to Ethan and Katie in New York City, to Linda as well. And Greg, my longtime producer, Greg, is with me today. And thank you to WJAS, where Greg works, and also uh, where I'm doing this broadcast from here in Pittsburgh, WJAS. Thank you so much. All right, here's what I've been wanting to talk about. 
During the 2016 election, I told anybody that would listen to me that Trump was going to win, and particularly in Pennsylvania. I was sure of it. Eric Trump would be on my show all the time. He was in Southwestern PA all the time. And he'd say, Rose, do you really believe this? I'm like, yeah. I do. I, I, you've got it here. And as you might imagine, a lot of people and the polls at the time thought I was crazy. I was doing the radio show at that time with Greg. In fact, Greg, you'll remember this. Okay. Same, ra- same route to the radio station that I had taken for 16 years. All right. All those years on the same roads, you start to notice things. So while I'm driving through this predominantly liberal suburb, When Obama was running for president, I saw home after home display their Obama signs in their yards. But in 2016, driving through those same neighborhoods, I saw something else. A lot of those same homes now had Trump signs. Now, I know that that's anecdotal evidence and that is rarely an accurate predictor. But see, this was different. A lot of those signs weren't the boilerplate signs that you kind of pick up at the candidate's office. Around Pittsburgh, it was difficult to get Trump signs in 2016, so people were making their own. I saw homemade signs taped to windows, really, taped to windows, or handwritten, and they posted them on these gigantic two-by-fours and stuck them in their yards. And, And for the first time in all of my years in conservative radio, I was getting phone call after phone call from Democrats. Greg, am I right? You can yell it out. He knows. That's right. Yep. They would tell my producer that they wanted to talk on the air with me, but they wouldn't give their name because they didn't want the Democratic Party or anyone who knew them to know that they were supporting Trump at the time. And the sheer volume of support and the level of enthusiasm had me wondering in 2016, is this really possible? The polls were saying no at the time, but my eyes and my ears were telling me a different story. That was 2016. This time around, I'm seeing anecdotal evidence of another Trump victory, but it's coming at me from a slightly different direction. Now, let me tell you a couple of things I've noticed because I've been traveling around the country and throughout the state of Pennsylvania for this campaign. I have been to several Cops for Trump events, many of them with our vice president. I talked to those in uniform at those events. I asked them about their brothers and sisters in uniform that protect our communities day in and day out. Typically, many of them vote Democrat, not this time. I was assured by so many law enforcement members that they and their brothers and sisters in uniform support this president because this president supports them. Business owners, Restaurant owners, you heard from Roberto from New York City, my friend there. There was a woman, I was at my golf club a couple of weeks ago, and she came up to me and she said, Rose, I have to tell you something. My friend that's with me here today has voted as a Democrat all her life. She's voting Republican for the first time ever this year. So I went over to talk to her. She owns a salon. What do they do in the salon? Facials. Are they allowed to do them in the salon? No. So for months, this woman has been out of work. Her business has been shut down. And she said to me, how can I ever go back to that party again? The party that shut me down. And I want to tell you something else. Women do not believe those polls. Women are supporting this president. I'm hearing from union workers who traditionally are pressured to vote Democrat. And it appears this time around, many will have none of it. They've seen the results of Trump's policies in their own lives, and they like what they've seen. 
President Trump heard the SOS from Blue Collar America and he rode to their rescue. One in, one man in particular approached me at a gun store, told me he was a union member and works for a local plastic manufacturing firm. He said he wasn't so concerned with what Trump says or tweets or his promises. It was seeing those promises become something tangible in his own life that has now won Trump his support and his vote this November. Remember how the rich Washington elites booed him at the Nationals game? It appears that things are way different outside the ivory towers where our betters dwell, like Nancy Pelosi, who can get her hair blow dried and the rest of them in San Francisco cannot. The Washington social scene senses that Trump is on to them. These palace dwellers, they've suckled off the inefficiencies of the bureaucratic apparatus to their advantage for far too long. Trump's a businessman. You don't win in business by permitting inefficiency to prevail. You identify those inefficiencies and you rectify them. And that means leaner and meaner and sorry, you're fired. And he's done something. He's taken a machete to the jungle of regulations that have created government jobs that destroyed private sector jobs. Washington is awakening to the truth about America as it was intended, people. It's a place where any kid can grow up to be president. And guess what? One did. And they are at once enraged and petrified. And guess what? He's not going away. And if my instinct and anecdotal evidence is once again correct, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'll remind you once again of the strongest line from our president's acceptance speech. I broke the cardinal rule of Washington politics. I kept my promises. God bless him. God bless America. People, 61 days. Let's keep it free. Let's preserve that constitution. I love you guys, and I love being on with you. I really do. Check me out on Facebook, Rose Unplugged, Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one. And I, I would encourage you to reach out to me. I would encourage you to reach out to your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. We have to get this done. This is so essential. I love you guys. I love this country, and I know you do too.